Hello again, and uh, thanks so much uh, for the opportunity to be with you today, um, especially on this Easter Sunday. It really is the centre of our faith as Christians, and I think the high point of our Christian calendar. So, it's, yeah, it's a real privilege to be with you and um, to look at this passage together with you this afternoon. Um, I'm just going to pray and ask that uh, God will help us. Please join me. Uh, our Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much uh, for your word, and we pray today, Lord, that you would open the Scriptures to us and open our eyes to see Jesus, and we pray in His name. Amen. Uh, well, uh, as I said, we've moved up here from Tassie uh, in January of this year, and we're really loving exploring this whole coastline up here. Um, and uh, checking out the beaches and sort of basically defrosting um, from Tasmania. Uh, it's, it's a great place to live up here, isn't it? And we've really enjoyed um, checking it all out. And one of the things that we've, we did enjoy um, was going along to um, the Hastings River mouth. I don't know, probably most of you have been up there, uh, where they've got that break wall with all the rocks that have been painted. You've probably walked along there. Um, and we, we probably spent the best part of an afternoon slash evening uh, just walking along there. We had our new puppy who uh, everyone, everybody wanted to stop and pat, so it was taking us quite a while. So we had the time to, to look at all these rocks and to read what was going on. And at first I thought, this is really cool, you know, this is, this is quite, quite nice actually, uh, because here's this memorabilia of people who have come here for holidays and they've, they've done a little painting about their family or something like that, or here's a couple who have met and fallen in love and, uh, and, and um, committed to each other and so on, or, or here's, here's something that commemorates um, something completely random <laughs> or something funny uh, or something cute. And so we, we were just enjoying walking along there. You know, it was a lovely um, Port Macquarie sunny day. But as I walked along, I began to realise that there was another side uh, to these rocks that had been painted. I began to realise uh, that there was a serious side, because quite a lot of those rocks uh, and the paintings were, that were on them were actually tributes uh, to people who had died. What had started out as a bit of fun turned into a bit of a tearjerker as we read of brothers and sons and twins and friends and fathers who had died tragically. And as I got to the sort of the end of that, uh, that walkway, you know, you're heading out there to, to the, the very end of the river mouth, I thought, here we go, finally I'm getting to that boogie board, boogie boarding capital of Australia um, uh, monument there, have you, have you seen that? It's this sort of steel boogie board, and I thought, oh, this is going to be great, this is celebrating Port Macquarie, the boogie boarding capital of Australia, but then I realised that that too was a tribute a tribute to world champion Michael Epo Eppleston, who had lost his life in a battle with leukaemia just days before the gala event. It was a sobering reminder as I walked up there and read all of those rocks and memorials that young people have to die as well as old. And here's the thing, many, many more rocks could be painted. 
It's interesting that the local council has actually sectioned off certain rocks along the river there and said, you can't paint here because people want to keep painting. And here we are, two years into a pandemic, and we're still counting the daily deaths from COVID. And now there's a war in Ukraine. It's Easter 2022. In Australia, we love the long weekend, don't we? It's a chance to finally get out after all of those lockdowns. But I want to suggest to you this afternoon that there is another journey that we need to be taking this long weekend. In a world such as ours, which is plagued by death, there has never been a better time to take the journey to Easter certainty. Luke writes this account, this gospel, this good news of the life, death and resurrection for the specific purpose of bringing us to certainty. You see, Easter is not that easy. Stop number one on the journey is looking into the empty tomb. It's interesting how the women the women are the ones who provide the continuity for the whole Easter story. I don't know if you ever realised that, because they were the ones who were there when darkness came over the whole land and the sun stopped shining. It was the women who were there uh, when Jesus called out in a loud voice and said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last they were there when Jesus died and they were the ones who were also there when Jesus was buried. At the end of chapter 23, verse 55, it says that they saw the tomb and how his body had been laid. They went away from there and prepared spices and perfumes to hide the smell of death. And then they rested on the Sabbath day. So significant time was passing. And so when we come to chapter 24, the very last chapter in this gospel, when they come early in the morning on the first day of the week, we know what they are expecting. They were expecting to find an undisturbed grave. But look what they found in verses 2 and 3. And look what they didn't find. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. No wonder, in verse 4, they wondered. They wondered, how could this be? You see, they too were trained, like you and me, to believe that death is final. It's irreversible. It's a one-way street from which you never come back. And so the answer to the angel's question in verse 5 is, well, let's look at verse 5. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? 
why were they looking for the living among the dead? Well, their answer is that they weren't looking for the living. They were looking among the dead because they knew without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus had died. Roman soldiers knew how to kill a man and they had watched it all happen and unfold before them. People say, don't they, and it's a good thing to say at Easter, consider the evidence of the empty tomb. But did you notice that the empty tomb was not enough for these women? In fact, the majority of the responses, both of the women and um, those whom the women witnessed to, the majority of the responses regarding the empty tomb is one of unbelief. Did you realise that? That the empty tomb is not enough. So have a look at verses 9 to 11. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things, that is about the angels and the empty tomb and the stone rolled away, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the others with them who told this to the apostles, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Or what about Peter? In verse 12, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. So the 11 apostles and all the others with them thought that this was nonsense. This was idle tales. They dismissed this as useless chatter. Peter had a bit more courage and checked it out for himself, but even his response falls short of faith, doesn't it? He went away wondering what had happened. Do you see, Easter is not that easy. It's not that simple or obvious. The empty tomb, as important as it is, it left these first witnesses wondering, perplexed, bewildered, marvelling, shocked, stunned and amazed, yes, but... They were not thinking resurrection because they too had been trained like you and me to believe that death is final. What was it that turned these wandering women into powerful witnesses? Well, it wasn't the empty tomb. It wasn't even the shining men who spoke to them. There's something we've forgotten in our telling of the Easter story. We like doing the little crafts of the empty tomb and it's easy to do a symbol of the cross, but there's something we've forgotten in our telling of the Easter story. What was it that brought these women witnesses from wondering into witnesses? What was it? Have a look at verses 6 to 8. He is not here, he, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners to be crucified and on the third day raised raised again. Then they remembered his words. What was it that brought the women from wondering to witness? It was the words of Jesus, the prophetic words of Jesus come true. It was remembering the repeated words of Jesus, how he spoke about his death and his 
rising again three days later. You see, one of the biggest reasons for believing according to the Bible is that of prophecy coming true. So that's the first stop on the journey, looking into the empty tomb. The second stop is walking with the risen Jesus. And this is amazing. I remember the first time that someone showed me this, uh, just how hard Easter is. Luke draws our attention to two of them in verse 13. That is, two of well, two people out of the 11 and all the others that are mentioned in verse 9, those people who had heard the reports from the women but still remained unbelieving. So two of them were walking along, and as it often happens on a road trip, they were talking, because that's what happens, isn't it? When you go on a road trip, you start talking. And what was it they were talking about? Well, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened, verse 14. That is, they were discussing the death of Jesus. And who should appear to them at that very moment? Jesus himself. Verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things, that is, the things about Jesus with each other, Jesus himself came and walked along with them. Have you ever heard someone say, well, yeah, it's all right for you to believe in Jesus, but I just can't bring myself to believe in Jesus. Unless he was to turn up in my living room when I'm watching TV and be there, I would not believe in Jesus. Well, here are these two people talking about Jesus, and Jesus himself shows up. He appears bodily before them. Now, you would think that that would be enough to convince them, but look at verse 16. Sadly, they were kept from recognizing him. And the thing that stopped them in their tracks was not the person of Jesus standing there before them, but the question that Jesus asks in verse 17. Have a look at that. Verse 17. He asked them, that is, Jesus asked these two unbelievers, these people who doubted what, that he had risen, they hadn't even thought of the idea that Jesus would, had actually risen. He asked them, he says, what are you discussing together as, uh, as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. Now, Cleopas, one of the people who was walking along here, must have been incredulous in verse 18. He says, are you the only, visiting, uh, only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? Who are you? Have you had your head buried in the sand? What planet are you from? Don't you know? Don't you realize I mean, everybody is talking. This is public news. Jesus' death wasn't, death wasn't a private thing that happened, you know, sort of somewhere secluded. Everybody knew about the death of Jesus, and everyone was talking about it. What do you think we're talking about? Are you the only one? Where have you been? And then, this is amazing. They answer Jesus' question in verses 19 to 21. Let's, let's read that there. They said um, what things he asked, and they said about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers hand him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it is the third day since all this took place. Can you believe it? 
They are telling Jesus in the words of Jesus the things that happened to Jesus, thinking that Jesus doesn't know. Can you see the irony of what's going on here? This is ridiculous. They are telling... Jesus used these words on the third day, and it's now the third day. And then it gets worse. Have a look at verse 22. It says, in addition, in other words, there's more ridiculous irony going on here. Have a look at verse 22. In addition, some of our women amazed us, and they went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. Can you believe it? There's more. They tell of the women's report of the empty tomb, the absent body, the living Lord, a testimony backed by others who had gone to verify the evidence for themselves. Now, we as readers of Luke 24 should be crying out in frustration. Come on, Cleopas and you other guy who's walking along with him. The penny should be dropping, right? The living Jesus is bodily walking along with them. They're discussing Jesus. Jesus is telling them, I mean, surely the penny's going to drop at some point. And, and you know, the, that moment of realisation is going to happen. We're waiting for it. All the pieces of the puzzle are there. They have all the information in front of them. But Easter is not that easy. It's not that easy. Easter is not that obvious. What's fascinating is Jesus' response here. Jesus does not jump up and down in front of them and say, look at me. He will do that later on for some other people and say, look at my body, my hands and my feet. And even for them, do you know what? It doesn't make them believe. Have a look at it. In verse 41, they don't believe. Look at what Jesus' response is here. He doesn't send them back to, to the empty tomb to check out the evidence there. He doesn't jump up and down in front of them and say, look at my body. There's something we've forgotten about Easter. And one of the biggest reasons for believing the Bible, according to the Bible, is that the Bible is full of predictions that come true. What does Jesus do? Well, this is our third stop on our journey. We've looked into the tomb, we've walked with the risen Jesus, but we need to see with the eyes of Scripture. Look what Jesus says to them there in verse 25. He says to them, how foolish you are and how slow, literally how slow of heart to believe all that the, what's the word there? All that the prophets have spoken. Here's the problem with you guys you're not believing the prophets. You're not seeing the link between what's happening in front of you and what was predicted over and over and over again, and by Jesus himself, three times within this gospel. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things? Well, if you ask any Jew, if you ask the disciples, did the Messiah, did the Christ, did the King have to suffer? Well, they would have said no. But according to the Scriptures, Jesus is saying he did. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all of the scriptures concerning himself. 
It wasn't just Jesus' own words that they had failed to grasp. It was the words of the entire Old Testament, which everywhere, in every way, pointed to Jesus himself and his suffering as the Messiah. Luke loves to build our suspense as we're going through this final chapter of his Gospel. Now, you would think that the tension is wound pretty tight right now, but it gets tighter. Have a look at this. It gets tighter again. They had, they've just had a complete Bible overview by Jesus himself, verse 27, and then Luke tells us that they're approaching the end of the journey, and it's as if Jesus is going to keep going without them. Can you see how he's winding the, he's, he's making the suspense even more. This whole third day, this walk with the risen Jesus is going to end, and the moment will not have happened. They'll separate, and we're, we're thinking they'll never realise who they've walked with. And so the, suspension, uh, the, the suspense is, is, is getting more and more. And they're approaching to the, en- the end of the journey. It's all going to come to, come to an end. As they approach verse 28, they approach the village to which they were going. Jesus continued on as if he was going further. Ah, but then, <laughs> finally we get to verse 29. It's wonderful, isn't it? Verse 29. Because over and over and over again in this gospel... It's been in the offer of hospitality around a meal that the moments of realisation have come. And here they urge Jesus to stay. They urge Him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day's almost over. So we went in and stayed with them. And then, this is the moment we've all been waiting for, where God chooses to reveal Himself in verses 30 following. When He was at the table with them, He took bread, He gave thanks, He broke it, and He began to give it to them. Verse 31, here's the moment. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized Him. And He disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, when had our hearts burning within us while He was talking with us on the road? And opened the Scriptures to us. Can you see that actually the thing we've forgotten in the retelling of the Easter story is the thing that's most crucial according to Luke? It's the prophetic word of the Scriptures as that is opened, that people come to see who Jesus is. So as I'm reflecting on Easter 2022, I'm thinking, you know, as I'm talking to my friends about Jesus, it's not that easy. Easter is not that easy. Because the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they will not see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. They can't see it. Their their eyes had been closed so they couldn't recognize. Look at the language here. Their eyes were opened. It doesn't say they opened their own eyes and they saw. It says their eyes were opened. Who opened their eyes? It's God, isn't it? 
Easter is not that easy. Another miracle is needed beyond the raising of Jesus from the dead. There's another miracle, a divine miracle of God opening the eyes of our hearts so that we see and embrace the risen Lord Jesus as He really is. You see, Luke doesn't want us to respond to the resurrection with relief. Oh, he's not dead after all, or even rejoicing, hooray, he's risen indeed. Luke wants us to respond to the resurrection of Jesus, not with relief or rejoicing, not only, but with repentance. Do you see? The thing about Easter is that Jesus is still alive. Where is Jesus now? Luke will tell us that he's ascended to heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of God. He is ruling the nations. So have a look, will you, at verse 47, if you've got a Bible there. He says, what needs to, be ha- what needs to happen now? Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. This is Luke's version of the Great Commission. The implication of Jesus rising from the dead is not just rejoicing or relief, but repentance. We've got to turn our life around. We've got to stop living for ourselves now and start living for Jesus because he's not just a phantom. He's not just a fig, uh, uh, you know, someone there in fiction or even in history. He's real. He's living. He's reigning. He's not just risen from the dead. He's been raised up to glory and he will come again in return. Are you ready for that? Have you turned your life around? Have you changed your mind about Jesus and started living with Him as Lord? That's what Easter's all about, isn't it? Jesus is alive. It's true. So repent and believe the gospel. Look to Him for the forgiveness of sins. He will take all of the stuff that's in your account, all of your sin, all of your shame, all of the things that you have done in secret. He will take all of that onto Himself and He will go into His account of perfect righteousness and He will swap the wardrobes. forgiveness. He'll exchange His perfect life for your life of sin and shame so that we can stand before this risen Lord Jesus and be accepted. That's the message of Easter. I wonder this afternoon, have you looked into the empty tomb and heard the words of the angel? He's not here. Have you remembered the words of the Lord Jesus that the Christ must suffer and rise again? Have you peered in with Peter into the tomb and wondered? Have you journeyed along the road with the risen Lord Jesus? Has your heart burned within you as you heard the Scriptures explained to you? And have you dined and discovered Easter certainty? Have you seen with the eyes of Scripture Because Luke wants God to open our eyes to see that it's all come true 
and to recognise the risen, reigning and returning Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father God, we thank You so much for Easter. We thank You that death is not the end because Jesus has been raised to life. We thank You so much, Lord God, that We just pray, Lord God, that You would open our eyes more and more to, to, to recognise Jesus for who He is. Would You give us the gift of repentance so that we can live for You now instead of living for ourselves? And would You prepare us, Lord, for that day when You return? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.